So a couple things before we begin. We're going to be taking a look at Psalm 23, and I'm not going to make any promises to get through the whole psalm. Um, because I have a bad habit of trying to cram too much in. So I'm going to get as far as I'm going to get, but, but even if I only get to like verse 3 or 4, the other verses are going to make sense in light of verse 1, 2, and 3. And um, the other thing too that I just want to say as, as, I, as I go ahead and talk this morning is sometimes I'll refer to my own life in sermons because I feel confident in speaking from my own experience. I don't always feel confident speaking about others. To me, my faith in Christ is a very personal, deep thing. And one of the things that in the book of Revelation, it says they defeated him by the word of their testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. So this morning, I want to share with you a psalm that has become very dear to me. And if I refer to my own life, um, please rest assured that I'm only expressing what the Lord has done for me. Someone, well, and I'm going to refer to a couple of people. Um, they're with the Lord now. But one of the things that, that I find very important um, is um, I was, uh, I graduated from Multnomah Bible College in the 1990s. And, and I sat under some very powerful teachers. And part of going through four years of studying scripture, you're exposed to some very godly men and women who have written a lot, who knew the Lord. And I'm going to mention a few, partly because I'm also a teacher. And if you want to further study this, um, as I mentioned a few people, I would recommend that you would. Someone, well, I'm not going to say someone, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, which I highly recommend. If anyone, you know who Spurgeon was. The Prince of Preachers at the height of the British Empire. His sermons have been written, uh, they're free online. If you ever want to go to a place that's got a lot of resources, the Christian Ethereal Library is all kinds of free stuff that was done before copyright was invented. Yes. And Spurgeon said that Psalm 23 is written on many saints' tombstones, but unfortunately not on their lives. And um, I want to talk about Psalm 23, but I want to start off in Matthew. And Jesus is speaking in Matthew 13. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for the joy over it, he goes and sells all he has to buy that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found the one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Let's keep that in mind. Psalm 23. And in the last four years of my own life, I have gone through what I would consider to be a wilderness experience. Anybody ever been with me on that one? Those are tough times, but they are the most precious times. Because it's in the wilderness that the self, God begins to blow away. 
at my lowest point, I said in a very short, precise prayer, how did I get here? And then the Lord basically, it was like one of those questions where you know it's from the Lord. I'm not one who goes around and says the Lord, you know, audibly speaks to me. But you know sometimes you just go, that's of the Lord. The Spirit leads and guides you. One thing we've got to understand, that we serve the living God who's not only justifies from our sins, but is in the process of making us into creatures of love, which means he is actively working in our lives. It's not that you'll encounter Jesus when you die. You should encounter him now. Yes. Eternal life doesn't begin when you take your last breath. It began the moment that you bent your knee and declared Jesus Lord. And God loves you so much that he will not allow you to remain locked in sin. He will work with you. Thank God for that. This question in my spirit basically says, who do you think I am? And that began a journey. It's, it's ironic. It's not ironic. It's the wrong word. When we reach our lowest points, oftentimes that's the only time that we're ready to hear. That doesn't always have to be true, but just that we're stubborn creatures. Are anybody stubborn? Like, I mean, they say a two by four. I need a four by six at least. You know, we're stubborn, we're, we're, but we are creatures. And the, the question was, who do I think I am? And I began to pray. I said, Lord, I can't fix myself. Will you begin to take me on the journey? And he began to take me on a thing. And one of the first things he says was, go to the Psalms. So I started Psalm 1, and what I found is I found that David, a man after God's own heart, I saw a recurring theme over and over and over again. The Lord is my stronghold. In fact, I'll tell you this about Psalms, if you ever want to enjoy reading them more. In English, poetry rhymes by words, by sound. Hebrew poetry rhymes by thought. So the psalmist will say the same thing over again, but in different ways to, I don't know, beat the truth in our heads. Hebrew poetry is fascinating. And as we go through, let's begin Psalm 23, verse 1. A Psalm of David. Now, if you know anything about David, David um, did everything perfect in his life and never sinned. <laughs> So therefore, yeah, good, you've read the Bible. I, you know, I, I, I'd be honest, um, David was a screw-up, but yet he got something really right. And he would say to you, I, if I could do it over again, I would not have done the things I did. But one thing I will say David got right is he relied and knew who God was. And even in his sin, Psalm 51, you will find him praying to the very character and essence of who God is. And so what did God give him a name in Scripture? 
David, a man who committed adultery and murder? Nope. David, a what? A man after God's own heart. Not after God's stuff. Not after gold. After God's own heart. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'll spend most of the time here. And bear with me if I fumble a little bit. I've never given this sermon. Let's start with the question, who is this Lord? I will tell you this. There are two fundamental questions that if you don't have answered right, you will not see life clearly. Number one is, who is God? And second, who are you? If you don't get those two answers straight, you're confused. So let's begin with who is this Lord? Well, first, God is a being that is eternal and self-existent. He has already, always existed. He is not created by anyone. He is infinite. Now, this word infinite, we use language sometimes eh, carelessly. We say, you know, that, that three-year-old has boundless energy. They have more energy than I do at 51, but they don't have boundless because they're going to be asleep in three hours. And it just put a little kid in a car and drive around the block a few times. He'll be asleep, no problem. Unlimited wealth. No, it's, there's no, no, because you can count it. Anything you can measure is finite. Time is measurable, therefore it's finite. Infinite means it cannot be measured. It does not end. Now you and I as creatures, we have no concept of that. Because we know everything has an end. We know that. This sermon has an end. Not yet. One of the books I highly recommend is A.W. Tozer's The Attributes of God, Volume 1 and 2. If your life is not where you want it and your faith is not where you want it, may I suggest to you grab those two volumes and begin to go on the journey of who God is. And you say, well, how can that have practical to my life? Everything. A.W. Tozer actually quoted C.S. Lewis. We got to bring C.S. Lewis up. And they were contemporaries. And C.S. Lewis said, let me define infinite. Take a sheet of paper and extend it in all directions forever. Take a pencil, draw a line one inch, and that one inch represents time and everything that has ever occurred within time. But the paper goes on for what? Ever. But folks, let me be very blunt. If you've never sprained your brain on thinking about God, may I recommend that you think on him who he is. So that you come to the conclusion that many of the psalmists came, you are too wonderful for me to totally grasp. You want to increase worship? Learn who God is. 
He's infinite. Now, infinite in all his attributes. And all an attribute is, is it's just like this. Unfortunately, I like pizza too much. So, and I, and I, I, I my, Lord, help me with my food choice. I had a salad last night um, and will today. Look, when we take a bite of a pizza, you eat one bite at a time, we cut it in slices. The reason why we do that, it, we're finite. We can't handle the whole thing at once. So therefore, when we speak about the attributes of God, we speak of them because they're like slices. But they're slices of Him. Why do we have to do this? Because our minds are finite. And if you don't think your mind's finite, wait till you lose your keys and then laugh about it. I mean, you can't even find your car keys, let alone, do you think you can manage the universe? It's hilarious. Paige and I went camping this week. I lost the keys before we left Big Five Sporting Goods. <laughs> That's funny. It is. <laughs> it's like, it's a, hopefully. <laughs> so let's talk about a few attributes of God. I'm not going to go through them all because we would be here a long time. All powerful. The word all means there's no limit to it. All knowing. All merciful, all grace, all love, present everywhere, all holy, all perfect. I want to deal with two of these to illustrate this. Let's deal with all-knowing. Everything that will ever happen in this universe or any other thing God has created is already in the past to him. Because time is before him because he is outside of time. This moment... is already before the Lord. He already knows what I'm going to say. Dog. See, he knew I was going to say dog. You thought I was going to say next. In fact, I didn't even know what I was going to say until it popped into my mind. Everything is before him. Now, if you think about that, Lord, I need, I, Lord, help me. I, this is a, something, this is a concern of my life. Lord, I've got that. Do you understand he is already in the present about the things you're praying for in the future? And do you think honestly that he might have prepared you in the past for what he's preparing for you in the future? He's not like us. He knows all. And you know why this is important? Because if he knows everything, then he knows me completely, and he still loves me, I can count on that. See, there are some people that if they really knew who you were, they might walk away. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Let's, let's be honest. This is who he is. All-powerful. <laughs> Nothing is more powerful than him. Nothing. No one. Now, why is this important to understand that God is infinite? 
Let's face the facts. We are creatures that have very little control over anything. If there isn't a being out there that knows everything, that is all present. By the way, if he knows everything, he's got to be all present. And is all powerful. If there's a being out there that isn't that, then we have no security whatsoever. Because what if there's someone more powerful? What if he's 99% powerful, but that 1% is where you are? It's important we understand this Lord is infinite. You want to see a miracle? Open your eyes because God said he created everything out of nothing. You see, when an artist creates something, they have to use the dirt that God provided. God made everything out of nothing. As far as I'm concerned, that tops whatever human beings can do. You want to see a miracle? Look at the trees. They came from nothing. He just spoke and it was. All holy and perfect. But there's one other thing I want to stress. He's all these things and he does not change. Thank God for that. Now, David says the Lord is my shepherd. So I want to play a clip real quick. From, a, from an Avengers movie because it cracked me up when I saw it. And I said, ooh, that's good. I'm going to use that someday. Well, guess what? Today's the day. And this was in 2012. Hawkeye. Matt, what are you doing? Uh, help! I got him. Creature, and I will not be bullied by that. Puny God. As the Hulk slams Loki down, the Hulk walks away and goes, Puny God. We must understand that God is infinite. There's nothing puny about him. Amen. Now, David says the Lord is my shepherd. The word my is possessive. Let's bring in something so amazing about God. And I know we've heard this before. I know. If we've been in church, we've heard this before. But let our ears not be so dull, even if we've heard it before. What did this infinite God do? I learned this from Spurgeon, reading his commentaries called The Treasury of David, which goes through all 150 Psalms. And Spurgeon pointed something out that, duh, 
before you get to Psalm 23, you have Psalm 22. And Psalm 22 is the crucifixion psalm. <laughs> Folks, you want proof that Jesus is who He is? The, the Hebrew Bible was translated in the Greek 350 years before Jesus was born of Mary and Joseph. It was there in Greek. Why did God do that? To make sure that none of us would think that it was written after the fact. Psalm 22. What are some of the things that it says? Well, it starts off with, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus quotes it on the cross. Do you remember? Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you what? Forsaken me. Then it goes on. Verse 14. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. This is how we know every bone was out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot's herd. And my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. Oh, by the way, the nickname for the Roman soldiers by the Jews, they were called dogs. Oh, by the way, the Roman Empire started in 752 BC. So 200 years before Rome even existed on the Tiber, you know, Tiber River, the scriptures already said their nickname was going to be dogs. What do you mean? How can that be? Oh, I don't know. God's outside of time. Maybe he knows the future better than they who know the past. I don't know. Maybe he's infinite. The congregation of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. What did the soldiers do for the clothes of Jesus? They rolled dice. They casted lots. They gambled. Psalm 22 is there before Psalm 23 because what did this, what did the Lord do? He became one of us. He entered this world to save us. To pay the penalty for our own sins so that we could say with David, the Lord is my shepherd. I had a Bible college teacher named John Lawrence. He's with the Lord. And he told this story. He went to the Middle East and he talked to some Bedouins. And he, he asked them, you know, they said, they, they were talking about the three gifts from the wise men, frankincense, myrrh, and gold. And they said, John, don't you understand what one, of the, what one of the uses of myrrh is? See, we often associate myrrh with the death of Christ. And I think rightly so, but there's another use for myrrh. Do you think, and we know Joseph and Mary were poor, be poor, because if they would have received the gold, and by the way, the wise men didn't show up the night Jesus was born. They, they occurred after that. Because if, if Mary and Joseph had gold, they would not have offered the poor person's offering on the eighth day when Jesus was circumcised. Mary and Joseph were just like us. If you give me something, I'm going to use it to live. And they had a lot less than we do. 
One of the uses for myrrh is diaper rash. Let that sink in. Come on. Raise your hand if you're par- you've been parents or are parents. Sorry. Raise your hand. Did you get to every diaper on time? Did you? I mean, were you right there? Okay, I'm ready. Go. So I can change you. I mean, were you like Johnny Bench? Oh, that's a reference back in the day. Are you like a catcher going, okay, I'm ready. Go ahead and pitch. No. <laughs> you put him down for bed and you hear him crying. Oh, my gosh, again. Don't let it be green apple splatter. I mean, you, you know what I mean? Right? The Lord went through all of that for us. Now, how does a person make the Lord their Lord? Romans 10, 9 9 through 11, and David's quoted this a few times, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. The Lord is my shepherd. If you just sat and noodled that, that the infinite God, that Jesus came and died for you so that he could be your shepherd. It, it, folks, let's, 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 get leave, let's just get practical. The infinite God, who not only is infinite in mercy and grace, but he did what was necessary to make it so. wants to care for you, wants to care for me. So what does the rest of the psalm say? What, are, what is this? Well, number one in verse one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall lack nothing. I am convinced that the anxiety and depression, a lot of it on on the planet today, in our country, is if only we would just put our faith in the Lord. Because I think at the heart of anxiety and depression, and I I know some suffer, you know, there's, there's medical, I understand that. But I think some of it is, it's based out of fear. We're such fearful creatures sometimes. Anybody with me on that one? Gosh, I worry about worry. <laughs> it's hilarious. I shall not want. I won't lack. If we just rested in that, we would be more content. I mean, it's like the old woman who got a piece of bread. She's hungry, starving, not eating enough. She gets a piece of bread and she goes, what? This and Jesus too? I'm rich. God will make us content. And here's the thing. Remember I talked about all those attributes of the Lord? Psalm 37 verse 4 says, if you, excuse me. 
read my watch band. Okay, there you go. If you delight in the Lord, he will change the desires of your heart. What that means is he's going to take your desires to realize that you lack nothing. You have him. Folks, I would rather be content than be rich. I don't want to be Elon Musk. He can have Mars. I want verse 2. Verse 2. He makes me lie down in green what? Pastures. He leaves me beside quiet what? Folks, I raised sheep in high school. I was part of the future farmers of America. I was state vice president. All of this so I could date a girl. <laughs> and she dumped me. I bought a lamb for the Clark County Fair to date a girl. She dumped me at the fair, and I still had the lamb. It's hilarious. I will tell you something. That, and I, by the way, I also worked at the Portland Stockyards before they uh, went out of business. And there, that's where the lamb, oh, sheep were sold, pigs were sold. So I worked there, too, for this girl's dad. And yeah, it's, it's a long story. I'd be shoveling sheep manure out, and she'd be coming by with her boyfriend. God is good. All right. I'll tell you something about sheep. <laughs> They're stupid. <laughs> no, I... A sheep by itself doesn't know what to do. I've yarded sheep. You know, I'd rather have 50 sheep yarding them. Yarding is moving the fence, fences to get them into the pen you want. Yarding one sheep, very difficult. I think that's one of the reasons why we need each other in the church. We don't do well by ourselves. Salvation is individual, but growing in Christ is corporate. Yes. Folks, look around. Look, there's someone sitting here today. I'm looking right at him. I won't put him on the spot. About five years ago, six years ago. I don't know how long. See, I'm fine. I don't know how long ago. And I'm a historian. We were at Grass Valley Elementary, and he basically said all the stories of the Old Testament were all, all those stories and experiences that the saints had of old was all to get them to learn how to trust the Lord. And by golly, he was right. Faith and trust in the Lord, who's infinite, what do you have to worry about? He said he would take care of you. Oh, and by the way, one other thing is, God doesn't lie. And even if you declare Jesus as Lord and you were asked to lay down your life for him, uh, you're going to live forever? and you're getting a new body, I need one of those. I mean, seriously, do you, get, do you understand? I mean, we got nothing to worry about. By the way, when sheep lie down in green pastures, what does that mean? Well, the sheep's full. Sheep don't lie down in green pastures 
if they're hungry. They're full. What's a sheep lying down in a bed of clover? That's a very content sheep. Folks, I've lived long enough to know that shalom and contentment and peace is worth more than silver and gold. And here's the first point, main point I want to make. I can only say that I have peace and content if my life is in the hands of the infinite God who knows all and has all power and loves me beyond a love I cannot understand and he will not change. That's the kind of God that can bring me contentment because I know I have security. No person that's finite or anything can save me. My wife loves me. But she will be at my, my deathbed maybe someday and she'll go, I don't want you to go, but there's nothing she can do about it. This is why we've got to know who God is. Let me, let me tell you this. This is what Tozer said as I scroll up. He said this, the church, and he wrote this in the 60s. He wrote this in the 60s. Wait, I thought America was all perfect and the church it was the golden age. He wrote this in the 60s. The church will come out of her doldrums, that means boredom, when we find out salvation is not a light bulb only. That it's not an insurance policy against hell only. But that is the gateway into God and that God is all that we would have and can desire. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the good shepherd. Cast everything upon me. Place your burdens. He makes me lie down besides quiet waters. How many of you would just love right now to sit by this very hot afternoon laying on green fields in a quiet stream? Hmm? I did three days ago in Yellowstone. But folks, this is what he's talking about in our souls. Verse 3. He restores my soul. Restores. What does that imply? We sometimes need to be restored. Right? By the way, Restoring our souls is done by Him. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Paths of righteousness. I have lived long enough to know that I am so thankful for justification for sins, for forgiveness. But I am also very thankful that God is going to change. He's changing me into a creature of love. I have a ways to go. But I'm changing. He, you're changing. God is moving in us to change us. Why? So that we become more like him. For his name's sake, 
He's doing this because we need to understand something about God. He moved history, heaven and earth, so that we could call him our shepherd. He is actively involved in our lives and he's involved in all of our lives because Jesus said it very clearly, all that the Father gives me will come to me and I will in no way cast out anyone who comes to me. You call on the name of the Lord and the Lord Jesus will begin to work in your life. If you've forgotten this, call on him again and he will begin to work on your life. His word is true. Let's go to verse four. Verse four has really helped a lot of people in their lives, especially faith facing the end of life. I have a standing prayer bef before the Lord. Um, one that my, if, if I don't go in the rapture and I do pass away, that my death will mean something and two, that it'll be quick. Those are my two requests. And you think, well, that's kind of morbid to think about. Folks, I'm a history teacher. I teach dead people all the time. You, you think about those things, okay? <laughs> Jeez, you know, <laughs> sorry. Look at verse four. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no what? For you are what? Do you know what? Shadows are caused by light. When we if we face the end and we face that moment and we see the shadow, we need to understand the reason why there's a shadow there is because there's light behind the shadow. And all we're going to do is just walk through. By the way, shadows don't stop you. He's there. I will fear no what? I will fear no evil. Why? For you are what? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they what? Now, folks, why is it that God allows us to be saved and yet we inhabit our bodies of, of death and we go through this fallen world and we trip and we fall and sometimes we stumble, sometimes we succeed, sometimes we feel the glory of God, sometimes we don't. Why did he design it this way? I will tell you why. Because if you walk with him, we are all in the school of learning to trust the Lord. We of all creatures are more blessed than any other creature I know of. One, because we bear the image and likeness of the creator. And two, we are going to know the creator through his grace and mercies where the angels only know him through his power. We will know God more intimately. And by the way, that means something. So when you face various trials, and you will, do you understand? The, the Bible says, consider all joy, brothers. Why? Because that is going to help you grow in your faith. The response to any tough situation is a chance for us to grow in trust and faith. And by the way, I'm going to tell you this. There are some times in which you look at it and you go, I'm going through the valley. It's hard to see how this is going to work out. But I'm going to press forward. 
I'm going to trust you. You are trustworthy. And when the Lord does in the fullness of time and it comes to pass and you see what He's doing, you have grown in your faith. Your rod and your staff. Has anybody ever been disciplined by the Lord? Do you understand that's a sign of love? His rod is pretty big for me. They comfort me. The rod and staff, they do two things. One, they will fend off the wolves and the lions and the enemies. This idea that a shepherd is some sort of little boy walking around with a thing and, you know, he's got like a, you know, this a little tiny crook and this and that. And, you know, no, no, no. You don't want to know what a shepherd had. Shepherd had a, a knife right there, a knife back here, a big staff. They were out there to defend the sheep against other animals that wanted to eat them. They did not have electric fences. They were warriors. Shepherds were gnarly people. If they sat in here, you'd like go, what do you do for a living? Uh-huh. By the way, what was David when he was younger? Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Wow. Even in the presence of all of those wicked enemies in the spiritual realm against me, God has prepared a table. And by the way, what do you do when you see a table? You sit. You feast. The enemy's power over you is only in lies. He has no power. Only in deception. You see, if the enemy can get you to believe that God will not take care of you, then you will be weak in the faith. I know. But if you grow in the faith and you realize that Psalm 23 is true of your life, and that you say, okay, I'm falling off, but the Lord just restored my soul, and you walk through, you realize the enemy has no power over you. Why? Because Jesus said it very well. He conquered the world. For the joy set before him, he went to the cross. Notice here, you have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. You know, we always think about, in America, we generally think of how much stuff we have. I have a lot of stuff. That doesn't make me happy. It gives me more worries than I want sometimes. contentment, knowing that God's looking out for me, knowing that I'm forgiven, knowing that I've got nothing to worry about, knowing that there is that God who is infinite in all things loves me. Man, I'll tell you what, I'm rich. What, this and Jesus too? <laughs> 26, I mean verse, sorry, 23 verse 6. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All right. Let's wrap this up. The Lord is infinite in all power. 
the Lord became one of us so that we could be saved intimately, grace and mercy. It cost him dearly for us to say, the Lord is my shepherd. But any person who makes the Lord their shepherd is blessed beyond all belief. If you face anxiety, if you face depression, if you face addiction, if you face any of those things, realize you're not alone, but I would recommend dive into who God is. A lot of people are in addiction because they're so ashamed of what they've done. When you dive into his infinite grace, you realize it's all been taken care of. Put the bottle down. When you realize that the fears, whether they be mortgage or jobs, I know something about that, and all kinds of things, you realize that the God is there and he's infinite. He takes care of everything. I opened up by mentioning two parables. The treasure in the field and the pearl of great price. The kingdom of heaven is Jesus Christ. And when you have him, everything else means nothing. God loves you. He knows where you are. By Tozer, read Spurgeon. Go into the Psalms. Meditate on it. Realize that if you feel angst, that he will take care of you. And the final thing that I will say is I read Philippians 13, 3, I mean 3, 12 through 14, because Paul wrote this. Not that I have already attained it or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press to the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So right now, you could right now as we go into communion, you could literally say, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm going to work and, and I'm going to seek after God that that is over my life. This morning, I was afraid to give this sermon, so I had to apply God is infinite at Starbucks this morning. And I asked, I, I just, why am I going through this? And he goes, because do you believe in what you're preaching? I go, yes. Then it's okay. Let's pray.